Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. This podcast is about all things outdoor photography, including landscapes, wildlife, macro, and more. The show features two talented photographers, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, who bring their different experiences in photography to the podcast. The show is released weekly every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. In today's episode, Henry and Ryan talk about the differences of color photography and black and white photography. Each style brings something special to the photographer's images, and this is the episode where we break down each into detail. Welcome back to episode 50 of the All Outdoors Photography Podcast, and today we have a very colorful and sometimes not colorful episode. <laughs> yes, we are talking about uh, black and white in color photography. Um, we're going to be not really so much, uh, I guess it is like a little bit of like a versus comparing and contrasting, but, but we're just going to be discussing the different aspects and maybe things we, we like about each of those styles of photography and uh, maybe even some drawbacks of each one too. Yes, it's going to be a great episode. And uh, thank you all for sticking with us. It's you know, episode 50. We've We've done a lot of these. Uh, thank you all for listening. Yep, and we're planning to do many more, um, as far as I can tell. So, mm-hmm. as long as we want to go, which I feel like will be a long time. So, yeah, we really appreciate your support. Yeah, and uh, I do want to mention once again that we do have a Patreon uh, link down below if you'd like to get access to um, a little bit further content uh, with the podcast, like a exclusive Discord, uh, portfolio critiques cards all kinds of things so check that out if you're interested and uh yeah do you have any updates ryan um, not too many i mean um i guess the festival season as it is I've, i'm done with outdoor ones or have been for like over a month now but i'm, I'm doing a few indoor ones they're like more or less like holiday kind of crafty artsy shows so i've been doing those um finally uploading as we speak my hawking hills videos um, on the YouTube, I'm basically, basically been getting caught up the past week or so. I'm finally posting new videos, new blog posts, um, stuff that's as old as like August. I'm finally getting around to like making or putting together. So it's kind of silly to be, you know, editing these videos of me saying I'm like sweating to death out in the, you know, heat or whatever. And it's like November right now. Um, but I mean, I'm all this content over the past, what's been over recorded over the past couple of months. Um, and just, yeah, pretty much doing more of that. Um, so now I'm finally getting caught up. I'll probably definitely be going out and uh, shooting finally um, here in the next coming weeks, even though fall foliage has kind of peaked, um, at least it is right now. Um, so I might be a little late to the party, but uh, I'm looking forward to it because in, in winter I usually take a break from all the other aspects and focus mainly on shooting, um, which means like duck, um, just you know snow and all that fun stuff and frost, a lot more mm-hmm. of so. Um, just more more of that stuff but other than that it's been you know it's pretty much the same stuff for me so how about you yeah so uh i did a lot of shooting this weekend um it is kind of starting to get um you know colder and kind of there's a lot of a lot more waterfowl present so i really this weekend i just focused on that so i I did probably 10 hours of, of shooting this weekend um i just went to one location uh two mornings in a row uh, and I just shot a ton of ducks. I mean, uh, so many, like, you know, nothing too incredibly rare. 
Um, but still, it was incredibly fun just to, to work on that um, in, like, nice morning light with, like, frost and, uh, like, some nice steam coming off of the uh, the lake. Uh, it was just really cool. So I got a bunch of images to edit. Uh, I haven't started on them yet, but uh, you, you'll, you should be seeing those soon, and uh, I'm going to be working on that a lot more because, uh, you know, this. Uh, I'm just trying to get way more into uh, – kind of this waterfowl shooting I've, I've recently discovered that i hadn't really done it before uh consistently and it's really fun so i'm going to be experimenting a lot more with that awesome man um honestly i would say probably my favorite like type of speed like bird species to shoot is waterfowl and ducks and like any of those kind of like water birds because they're they're a lot larger and easier to like shoot um just fun in winter like they're just such a like breath of fresh air um, mm -hmm. You know, you visit your local, your fishing ponds, your lakes, um, kind of like other bodies of water, and uh, you know they're just in numbers. Um, especially like more specialty kind of species, like um, I don't know if you get like golden eyes or um, mm -hmm. ruddy ducks, American black ducks. Um, I could just keep going on and on. Loons, I guess. Um, yeah. The bigger lakes, especially. Uh, greaves, greaves are fun. I love those birds. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, just any of those. But yeah, they're just a lot more fun to shoot, I'd say. Um, and I don't want to say easier, but they are bigger, so it's easier to like spot them, of course. Yeah. Um, keep track of your sightings. They are very but, skittish. Yeah, though, I just find in so. winter. That is, I, yes. Mm -hmm. the, the more I find that the more special or uncommon the bird is, the more skittish most of the time, which is unfortunate. Um, it's same with like wood ducks, which are one of my favorite. They're very beautiful oh, looking yeah. uh, drakes. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that um you know, but it makes it fun though, because it mm -hmm. means you. Like like you said, get out early, and you see this beautiful conditions as the light and the fog lifts and everything um, over the water, um, and you get down, you know, laying down flat. I'm assuming is what you do, and you get those like eye level shots, which are the best kind, anyways. Um, so yeah, they're they're much they're very fun to play with and uh, oh, yeah. photograph, I guess, you know, for that reason. Yeah, and my uh, probably my top three yeah, that... from my top three from this weekend. Uh, I I did shoot a black duck, which is pretty cool. Um, and then a, I don't know if you've heard of a shoveler duck, but they're basically like a mallard, um, but uh, like a female mallard, but they've got a like inverted beak. It was super cool. It's literally like a shovel. Um, so I got some great shots of that. Is it? Are you referring to the, the northern shoveler? Yes, the northern shoveler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen those a handful of times. Not too much, mm -hmm. and I've never been like close enough to see one beyond like scoping it out but never enough to get an image yeah they're cool. pretty cool very different looking they have a, yeah, yeah like you said they have, yeah they have that uniquely but kind of weird like shovel shaped like a trowel kind of like bill it's it's very strange but i mean it definitely is a like a a feature that you could easily pick apart and say like oh mm -hmm. that's not that's not your typical mallard or whatever like they yeah. are they're very different for that reason uh-huh and then also uh, for the final one, uh, I don't know if you know what a Muscovy duck is, um, but it's apparently a domesticated yeah, duck. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, so it's a domesticated duck, but it must have escaped from a farm or something because it was in this, like, nature preserve pond, um, and it was super weird. It was a beautiful, it was a, a male and a female, and I could get really close to them. Like, I got an eye shot of the duck, like, just, just its eye, um, so that was super cool play around with that yeah it's funny you mentioned those two species in particular the the shoveler and the muscovy because it's i actually had my first for my life list for birds um i had those both sightings at the same place same day 
And um, and it, I can definitely attest to the the fact that they are they're much more habituated, I'll say, because like mm-hmm. the scummy ducks, I remember it was quite pouring rain, it was cold, rainy day, but like I was you know car side or whatever, just in my seat, and I like moved out my telephoto lens with the window rolled down, and uh, I got these like real up close shots of the scummy duck, like headshots even. Um, so it's pretty funny you're saying that too, because yeah, it's not just me mm-hmm. that noticed that. Uh, but yeah, the shuttler is much more, I would say, tricky to take an image of close up like that, at least. Yeah, the shoveler wasn't quite a close up. It was like a not a small in frame, but like a medium shot. But I'm still really happy with it. So there you go. I mean, yeah, any image you can get of a like a cool species like that's you know it's worthwhile, of course, too. Oh yeah. All right, so uh, let's get into the colorful topic here. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna keep making those color puns, aren't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I just think it's it's something for me, uh, black and white and color. It's it's uh, it's, I've always told people it's a, it's like a, a editing struggle, like yes, like because I'm always debating whether it's like, do I like this image in black and white or color? And like, mm-hmm. I go back and forth, and of course, as we'll break it down here, like different subject matter or different lighting or anything, or how even how you edit the image uh, makes the world of a difference. But like uh, for you, Henry, like, do you have a preference? Would you say for color black and white or is it more specific for you? So I would say definitely color. Um, Over the past like year, I've really just almost exclusively shot color. Um, I, I just feel like it, it suits the way I shoot better and the subjects I shoot. Um, you know, I used to be kind of the midday shooter, uh, like the lazy shooter, and I would do the black and white just to compensate for the, uh, for the like, you know, the harsh lighting. Um, but nowadays, I kind of go out in the lighting I want to shoot in, and for that lighting, I just find that color um, works better for that. Yeah. It's interesting how you noticed you picked up on that like shift in, uh, I guess your perspective in a way where you're like, yeah, I used to be the midday light shooter, um, like a lot of people, and I, I could certainly attest to that too, in my experience. But uh, yeah, it's neat how you noticed the, I guess almost like the different application of it, and like you prefer the color and the other, mm-hmm. maybe like the other times of the day too. Um, so you know, good on you for picking up on that. Mm-hmm. Now I will say for portraits, I do like a a decent amount of uh portrait work uh you know outdoor portraits and stuff uh for various clients and i'll i'll generally send them a black and white and uh color of the same photo um and they really like the black and whites so i think for for human subjects and kind of more natural like if i'm i'm walking around the city uh like on a trip or something just kind of walking around and getting some shots of buildings um i'll i'll pretty frequently put that in black and white cuz I just feel like it's a more casual thing for me, and I like it. Kind of differentiates it from my other work. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause yeah, especially with, like out in nature, like a lot of things—not all year, but like a lot of, majority of the year—we'll say like there's lots of these beautiful, vibrant, colorful things. And like, um, not that people aren't vibrant and colorful, but it's like maybe it's uh, hmm. maybe just find like to your eye, like it's more tune that you know people portraits or something need to be more black and white um so what do you think that is maybe um i feel like just the way i see nature i mean one of the main draws 
for me, loving nature is the colors that everything has. Um, and I think that almost the color sometimes is even more important than the subject. Um, you know, with the light, how it interacts with the subject and, you know, how the, how everything comes together. Um, but I feel like with like buildings and people, uh, the details are more important. So like in buildings, it's like the, you know, the lines of the building and like the, the windows. And then, you know, with humans, of course, it's like the, you know, the, their skin, the, the wrinkles, all that stuff, you know, you look for in a portrait. Um, so it's just, I feel like it kind of lends itself um, better for those subjects. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, you kind of look, you seek out color in nature, but then, yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it better myself. That, that's awesome, you know? Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Well, thank you. <laughs> you thank left you. me speechless with your, with your, uh, your meaning there. Uh -huh. But it, it, like, makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. Where it's like, yeah, you seek out the details in, like, a person mm -hmm. almost in, like, yeah, or, or non-nature subjects, mm -hmm. I guess. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, I really, even though, like, I really enjoy shooting color for nature, uh, I struggle a lot with it still to this day. Uh, I think probably the number one thing, like, if I, you know, I export an image and if I go back and re-edit it, I'd say the number one thing or reason that I go back and re-edit it is a color issue, probably 90% of the time. Like, either I have the white balance wrong or I've oversaturated some colors because uh, I, I want to have, like, a consistent portfolio. I don't want to have one really saturated image and then the rest are kind of, you know, uh, a lighter uh, color palette. I want to make sure everything's consistent and I want to make sure the white balance is like realistic for the image. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been noticing in recent months, like with my post-processing uh, workflow overall is I'm, I'm looking more for like the white balance and trying to make, I mean, like hypercognizant of it, you know, with exporting each image because um, I'm just, I think I'm noticing more and more, especially with my oldest edits is like some of the, like the temperature and the, like you said, white balance and everything, it's like thrown out of whack. And it like, I'm like, there's no way it was that warm looking, like the middle of winter, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, and so I've been noticing, it's like, there's almost, I don't want to say a trend, but it's like, I've been noticing where like I'll edit like a set of waterfall images, like eight images. And like, there's two of them that are very warmed up. Like you can just clearly tell in the water um, and just the surrounding area and everything and it's it's uh, it's like bugging me a lot because then i just need to make sure everything's more consistent because mm -hmm. um, it just it throws it all off balance um, especially with our last episode about portfolios and uh, consistency it's like it does it definitely stands out but not for the right reasons usually mm -hmm. yeah and once you flip that switch in your mind of like caring about white balance it never goes away sometimes i wish it did because <laughs> i don't know if you feel like this but sometimes i feel like I mess up my images more when I adjust the white balance and I can't get back to that original, like, oh, that raw file looks so good, but now what have I done, you know? It's it's a struggle. Yeah, it definitely is, yeah. Uh -huh. it, it's something, now that I'm, like, paying more attention to it, it does bug me. It, like, honestly drives me insane a lot more, like you said. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I don't know, It's I feel like I'm, like, it's good intention because I'm trying to, like, like okay, I want to really pay attention to the temperature of the image and, you know, the tints and everything. And I feel like I'm having more control over it. Right. You know, cause it uh -huh. is a raw file and I'm editing it of course, but like, yeah, then I do something that's not really like wrong, but like I'm looking back on it after exporting and I'm like, why did I make it like that? Like just why? It's uh -huh. like my monitor not calibrated right. Or is my, 
my eyes not seeing it quite you know the way I wanted to. So, mm-hmm. and then you print them and it looks different or something. And it's just oh, like yeah. oh, I just I'm this big old mess too. Mm-hmm. So uh, what about you? So uh, how how often do you shoot black and white versus color? Uh, well, I'd say color is like 90% of what I shoot. At least I'll say like intentionally, like as in I'm pointing the camera at a scene, I'm going like this, this deserves to be color, you know? Um, but there is a good portion of it where like I do like in the field, I'll say like I'm pointing the camera at some scene or some whatever. And I go like, this is going to look a lot better in black and white. So it's not very often, but it does happen. Um, but for me, it's like when I'm post producing uh, the photos, like a lot of times, and it depends on the subject matter, um, which we can talk about here in a moment, but like, I feel like certain subject matters or certain lighting lend themselves better to, uh, you know, black and white versus color or whatever. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, I edit a lot, a lot of times I'll just edit like uh, a copy of each one and, uh, just kind of settle it up later or, you know, I'll ask other people or my followers, you know, people, um, about like, Hey, which one do you prefer more of, you know, at least in this specific, you know, instance or whatever. Um, so preference, I mean, like, I guess I could say color, um, especially when it comes to printing my work. Like I've, I very, very rarely print black and white work. Um, and some photographers only shoot in black and white. So kind of like go figure, but, um, yeah, I guess I would say color if I had to choose one. Um, but yeah, that's just, you know, I, I've noticed some, I know some photographers that, you know, they shoot exclusively black and white and it's like it, their, their body of work looks a lot more consistent and um, they find a way to make it work for them, I guess, in a way mm-hmm. too. Yeah. But I think, you know, with those all black and white photographers, you are, you are missing out on a, a big element of, of reality, you know, I mean, it's, you know, good on them, you know, it's an artistic choice, um, but you know, you're missing out on some of that beauty. Um, but yeah, so with that with that ten yeah. percent of black and white shooting, you said you did uh like what kind of subjects do you do black and white with? Basically anything midday light. Um mm-hmm. and the reason why is because if it's like a sunny when I say midday, I'll say sunny midday light. Like, you know, you just perfect blue sky day or, you know, there's puffy cumulus clouds and the, the sun's, you know, high noon or around that time and it's in full force. Um, whatever time of year, but like the reason I say that is because it's higher contrast, you know, it's going to be much harsher light and shadow. Um, everything's just kind of overall the whole scene or whatever you're looking at in front of you is a lot brighter. And uh, the reason why I say that is because, yeah, it's just higher contrast and it means when you translate the black and white, it's going to have much more striking detail in the light and shadow that way. Um, like I, I've tried, you know, converting black and white uh, images from like overcast days and it's just like everything looks so flat so just kind of bland and gray almost and you can always up the contrast of course in post-production with a slider but like if you do it a little too much it begins to look a little fake um so you definitely need that more you need that specific lighting at least in my opinion to make it look genuine and like almost like authentic um or else it does come across as like overcooked um so i would say anything midday like that goes for uh landscapes waterfalls uh, birds, like woodland scenes, um, stuff like that, I would say. Um, but you know, in contrast, like intentional camera movement stuff, that's, I'd never want to see those in black and white. I don't think I ever want to see that defeats purpose for me with those, you know, cause I want to be so colorful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll photograph those midday the most because, you know, once again, the color and brightness is so vibrant. 
Um, so by contrast, at least. So no pun intended there. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, and you definitely, like you said, you definitely can um, overdo it with the contrast. And you really want to look for that natural contrast so you don't have to, you know, adjust the sliders too much and just get a good black and white file in the first place. Yeah, definitely. I, I like the usage of that. Yeah, natural contrast. That's that's definitely mm -hmm. the right way to say it. Is like just how pure, I guess, the scene in front of you, in front mm -hmm. of the camera is. So, yeah, I definitely agree there. Yeah, because like, I mean, we've all seen over con like two contrasty images. Like even in black and white, there will be some kind of a temperature change when you add like computer contrast. That's just how it works. Like, um, you can see it more in color images, but. Um, it, you know, it still applies to black and white. It will apply a slight color change to those shadow areas. Um, so, you know, getting natural contrast is definitely the better way to go. Yeah, definitely. It's something I find myself, um, I found that actually, and I'm thinking about, this is, I think, worth raising a point about, is that, I just realized this. <laughs> so when I'm editing <laughs> color images, I find myself holding back a lot from saturation and like mm -hmm. just overdoing the color right but like for some reason in black and white i find myself going crazy with it and like upping the contrast the sharpness the um detail slider which is kind of like contrast in a way i i, I just realized that the, the vignette especially I, I usually do those pretty harshly mm -hmm. in black and white but for some reason in color i'm much more reserved in my editing i just realized that i really did so yeah it's a point worth raising i think yeah, so I, I don't mean, know if you feel why, the same or do, you do think... something similar. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I definitely feel the same way. Um, I think it's because I, I think it just it's so much easier to make it look fake um, when you're you pop those things or uh, pump those things up on a, a color image, um, just because you know we we were out there in a color world. You know, we were out there shooting. We saw the scene. We know what it looks like. Um, and at least I feel like disingenuous when I, when I make it that unnatural. Um, like I used to like change colors completely, uh, like way back in the day, you know, on flowers and stuff. Uh, but now I've kind of distanced myself from that and I, I try to do it natural as possible. Of course I still, you know, it is a raw file, so it's, it's not as colorful as like maybe an iPhone photo or something. So I will, you know, I'll bring out what's already there. Um, but I, I try to just keep it fairly natural and with black and white you know you can get away with a lot more uh and still have it look natural yeah definitely yeah it's it's interesting yeah i mean it's just yeah something i noticed also now it's just and like you said i like i said you just you really hit the nail on the head there with how it's something about the black and white removes itself a little bit more and mm -hmm. um i don't want to say it's not reality but it, like it definitely when you strip away the color and everything of that sort, like it definitely becomes a different kind of image. And, um, you know, cause most of us, I mean, I guess some certain colorblind people might see colors more faded. Right. But like most of us see the, you know, the full spectrum of color and everything. And like, when you remove all that, you like, what you're really left with is like, the like the light shadow, the form, uh, maybe like the mm -hmm. texture and the detail of the image. But like, I mean, color shapes a lot of what we see and the yeah. photography we take so mm -hmm. when you remove that it's like what's left you know it's, it's almost become like a minimalist color palette because there's only like really three colors mainly black white and gray so like mm -hmm. i don't know but yeah i mean it's interesting i just never really thought about that before until now
like the way I edit the images is like the way I approach both styles is very drastic. And uh, I think, like you said, you explained it pretty well. So maybe that's the reason why, at least. But anyways. Yeah, yeah I think it's interesting to think about that because I never really thought about that either. Um, but I think it is, at least for me, kind of the since I was out there, you know, I kind of want to represent it like I saw it. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll ask is like, is there any subjects for you that like you may shoot in black and white only or exclusively or even vice versa? Like, is there certain kinds of preferences in that way with subject matter? Uh, so yeah, like I said, with black and white exclusively, um, you know, like urban stuff and then, you know, portraits aren't exclusive, but you know, kind of half and half there. Um, also I just had this thought about black and white. Um, I've never tried this before, but I think I'm going to. Uh, you know, like birds with white skies or blue skies, uh, you know, generally they can be seen as undesirable images, but I'm wondering if like a black and white conversion with, with that uh, could like save an otherwise uh, pretty good image. So that's definitely an idea with black and white. Um, and even like, you know, woodland images where you have to include the sky, uh, perhaps a, a black and white conversion could help that, you know, make that composition um, more... Uh, more normal again uh, without having to you know make that ugly sky be too prevalent yeah that's a that's a great point like i, I wouldn't really necessarily say or i wouldn't encourage people to save their images so to speak like if an image is not good like mm -hmm. i almost most of the time won't bother with it um but i will you raise another good point it's like if like let's say there's a sky in the woodland that is totally blown out highlights and everything and like simply can't you know recover it at least in post-production on underneath color um, because there's chromatic aberration and all that other stuff um, sometimes not always but sometimes yeah you can convert it to black and white and it, the the sky becomes you know pure white or like a mm -hmm. dull or like a slate gray and like it in a way it does save the image or at least it takes the new life um so to speak um but yeah that's a great point um i've even done like you said with the bird thing um, I, I think what you said, if I'm getting it right, is that you said like it's a white sky behind it, but then you convert to black and white and it becomes like a white backdrop mm -hmm. almost. And then the bird in question is like a silhouette. Is that correct? Uh, well, I, I was just thinking, you know, just like a, say there's a bird above you, like on a branch and it's just kind of an ugly sky behind them. I was just thinking, you know, the bird would be normally lit, you know? Um, well, I guess it depends yeah. where the sun is, but. Um, or even a cloudy day, you know, with the, the bird and the sky behind him, you'd have a normally lit bird with a nice clean background. I think that would work better in black and white in that scenario. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know, in my head I was thinking like uh, like spot metering, and like you meter for like the surrounding area, so like mm -hmm. it basically incredibly underexposes the bird in question and it's like makes much more like striking imaging, you know, higher contrast scene we'll say. Um, yeah, that, that, that sounds great cool, too, yeah. of course, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a technique I've done a time or two. Um, and it's definitely, it creates this like, like really, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like a, it's literally, like we say, we've been saying black and white a million times, of course, but like it's literally like the background, uh, black mm -hmm. silhouetted bird completely and like the perch, you know, if it's on like a tree branch and like it's striking, like it, it looks unreal. It looks like almost like not a photograph in a way. Um, but it, it's fun to try out, even if you don't, even if it's like a mistake, like, oh, the bird, mm -hmm. I couldn't expose it, you know, well enough. And 
it's incredibly underexposed or something. So yeah, but yeah, both are both are great examples for it. So it's it's interesting you bring up silhouettes. Um, have you ever had the situation where you shoot like a silhouette image? Uh, doesn't have to be a bird or like any subject um, where you end up making a black and white without even converting it to black and white. Oh yeah, where like the lighting's so dull, like it, mm -hmm. it basically becomes black and white. So. Yeah. So that that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I yeah. encounter that every once in a while. It's because I've I've done them where like I will convert it like the true W. I keep saying black and white. I'm getting sick of it. It's like B and W. Um, but like it's like compared to the color one, it's like it's still different enough. You know, it's it's subtle, but like it's still different enough where like there's a little like shades of like maybe some browns or something in there, and then like you convert it, it's like it's a different image. I don't know how to describe it. It's just very very interesting. Um. But yeah, I mean that's a, that's a good point too. Where it's like certain certain techniques. I mean, it's just trying out. A lot of this is all preference, of course. It's it's all purely subjective. But like, I do feel like certain things do like they just look better, you know, in one way or another. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a unique thing that happens every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so what are what are some of the subjects you like shooting um, in both color and black and white? Um, well, I guess for both, um, I will say waterfalls. I found like the majority of waterfalls, especially if they have a really nice, you know, heavy flow to them, like the brighter they are, I guess. Um, but the more silky smooth it looks in long exposure. Um, I like it in both styles. And I would say the majority of my waterfall shots are edited with both those in mind. Or even when taken out in the field, I do have those in mind, um, especially if you can elongate it with like a neutral density filter um, and then a polarizer, of course. And, but um, I find it like certain ones look better, honestly, in black and white, um, or at least equal um, compared to their colored counterparts, um, especially when you get to like towards the, the winter waterfalls um, where like the foliage is pretty much entirely lacking and it's just much of brown, like dirt and, you know, soil or just you know whatever surrounding it. and there's bare trees and it's kind of like it's a little more bland we'll say um i find those look a lot better in black and white just because it does add more um emphasis on the texture and form of the the falls itself instead of like the surrounding foliage which you know if it was a summer or spring would be pumping out the greens or in the fall it'd be you know the yellows reds oranges and so on um so stuff like that waterfalls um Certain bird shots, um, I'm thinking in my head now to a couple of springs ago, um, I was doing some uh, at a local like community park. There's there's always every like May um, some Canada geese goslings, like little babies basically. And you can basically go for a couple of weeks and just see them like get raised in the, you know, the feeding, they're swimming around, you know, kind of staying close to each other. And I've gone there a couple of springs now just taking images of them. And I remember the first time I like properly did this, um, I found that the images, because there's so much high noise, um, which I feel like is another aspect we could talk about, mm -hmm. uh, they just looked a lot better in black and white. And there was a much, it was, it was, I think there was like a pitter patter of rain, if I recall, like on and off um, in this evening I was there, you know, um, and uh, it's just you know, really, really cloudy, dark kind of day overall, like very, very low light situation. Um, but there I was, you know, just laying out flat on the ground. Um, in the middle of this community park, it's wet, you know, but I don't care. I'm getting these amazing shots, at least I think, you know, 
of these uh, birds and stuff, you know, at their eye level, you know, and the, just the interaction between the parent and the baby and everything, and the younger, the child, the gosling, and we'll say. Um, but, like, the higher ISO and the higher noise from it, uh, I just felt like it, like, worked better in black and white, and it made it much more, um, I keep wanting to go back to minimalist as the word for black and white, but, like, the images, like, felt more, like, simple, I guess. And, like, both simple but effective, we'll say. Um, and so this is, like, one instance where I feel like a, like a wildlife shot felt more impactful, you know, because of, you know, changing it to the that color scheme or whatever, or lack thereof. Um, but uh, stuff like that, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Certain flowers, um, especially, like, flowers with white you know, petals or heads, like, I feel like they look a lot better in black and white. Um, not mm-hmm. always, but, like, depends on what the background color is, of course, too. But, um, like, trilliums, like, because just all white, especially since a lot of trilliums are, like, ephemeral flowers. Um, so they'll be cropping up in March and April when there's no greenery surrounding, like, on the forest floor. So it's just lots of brown and color. So, like, those look really cool in black and white. Um, stuff like that. Um, snow, even. Snow is a really great contender. Already, in a lot of instances, can look black and white, you know, at least appear that way. Um, but truly converting it to it, I feel like, you know, just really adds a whole new dimension. It really puts the emphasis on the bright whites, um, so long as you don't overexpose it, of course, too. Uh, but I think, I think that's it for black and white, as far as I can tell. Just rattling off a few off the top of my head. Um, and then color, like I said, abstracts. Um, certain kinds of birds, like especially those brightly colored warbler species, look a lot better in color. Mm-hmm. Um, in contrast, I'll say flower. Lots of flowers look a lot better in black and white. Um, basically, yeah. most of the year, I, I'd say in winters a lot of the times when I do black and white, just have because the have... lack of colors are already there. Mm-hmm. What's that? Have you ever done an abstract, like a intentional camera movement, in black and white? No, but I mean now that this episode's raising the point, and you asked me, I think I have to try it, uh-huh. <laughs> or just yeah, take like... an older image and just mess mess with it especially when there's lots of white in it i'll say so yeah. i mean you definitely sparked that idea for me and i'll i'll, I'll edit an image and put it in the slideshow there you uh-huh. go with but. like you know with like pure <laughs> just lines of lines and texture it could be interesting yeah no i definitely i definitely agree with you there i've done once in like some really moody looking light where like we could talk a little bit about color here in a moment but like um i'm thinking of one scene um i guess about a year ago, yeah, it was in spring once again, and I was like, just this blue, the blue hour basically after sunset, and I was in some woodland and I just got these like really they look really haunting um, intention camera movement photos, where it's just like blue, and there's like, it's not really black but it's not really brown, it's like a very dark kind of earthy color of these tree trunks and everything, they're mostly bare, and it's just like this really deep, like, almost navy blue color, and it's like very moody and everything um, but it's not really like, it's colorful, but it's not really like a, you know, like people think like warm colors. It's, it's very much a subdued, like, I don't want to say calm, but it's definitely just mellow, I guess, to say the least, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've never done the black and white thing with abstracts, at least those kinds. Um, so it's definitely something I'll have to try out mm-hmm. here and see how they look. So it might look even cooler for all I know without the color. Uh, it was black and white noise is i mean i personally find that the black and white noise is uh you know worse than the color mm-hmm. so uh um, why, why do you think that is i mean 
I feel like um, with black and white noise, um, you're really just, especially with those kind of, you know, more consistent one color background, you can just kind of see the standout noise. Like it kind of sticks out. Uh, maybe not on the subject itself, but kind of on the area around it. I think it's the reason why a lot of black and white photos, like, I'm not saying I'm right, but like, I feel like a lot of people do the high noisy kind of images with black and white because like, it just adds this certain kind of grit to it almost, you know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of people say grit, like when they talk about noise and like digital noise or whatever, like it just adds a certain greatness and like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like just that certain like edge to the image almost, you know, as opposed to like a softer image, which is, you know, by contrast, more dreamy, we'll say, more ethereal. Uh, yeah, I don't know, stuff like that, you know, kind of like the opposite in a way. So um, I, the the geese one was just like an example where I was like, this looks better in black and white and it has noise, which probably is the reason why I like it more. But like, it could definitely go both ways. And, you know, I've taken shots where I'm like, yeah, I mean, color, but it's noisy, but like it works for what it's worth. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it goes... I guess it depends on the application of the results. You know, that's really what I think is the most important part of all of this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Mm -hmm. Do you find there's like certain colors um, that you like are more drawn to photographing? Like no matter what, like just are you much more about finding the blues, the reds, um, anything in between? Is there like any colors that you just find like you're really set on or that you're drawn to more? Um, I would say uh, I really like kind of the uh, warmer tones uh, with like oranges, uh, you know, yellows, reds. Uh, you, don't, you don't actually find red a lot in nature besides fall. Um, but if you kind of, you know, if you shoot enough sunsets, you'll, you'll get some with red eventually. Um, so I always like to shoot that on the rarity that that shows up. Um, you know, yellows are great too. You get that with uh, early morning light. Uh, you can get birds with yellow on them, uh, warblers, you know, and you can get uh, all kinds of things with yellow. I think that's it's probably my favorite color, um, you know, out of all of them. It kind of stands out from everything. Uh, green too, of course. You know, green's great. You know, you, you can't overdo it. You know, it can be very easy to make that green too saturated like i think out of all the colors with like oversaturating it i think that's the easiest to um in my opinion just because you know there's so much green and then it can kind of overpower the image uh, but when used properly i really like incorporating green as well i think it's easy for the green part to just tack onto what you said is like it's so prevalent for most of the year like over six months of green like leaves and grass and just kind of like everything around us and you know, lots of plants are green and uh, just yeah lots of stuff is so like I, I do agree it's like I feel like it's for a lot of people and I'm once again of course guilty of it lots of times but like pumping out the saturated greens and stuff like especially in post-production is just um, it's easy to get carried away carried away with it so um, yeah I'd agree there yeah definitely yeah for sure um, so what about you? What are some of the, the colors you look for? Honestly, the greens too, <laughs> you yeah, know, once again, but, um, I, I mean, I look for, 
anything that just interests, um, even if it's like not like if it's an overcast day, but it's like a much subdued kind of lighting situation. Like I'll look for something that's like not like readily apparent or obvious. Like I don't know, like just like soft pastoral colors or milky colors. You know, like just the lighter tones of things. So if it's like a very, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Just like something that's you know not always so obvious. But I do like the brighter colors, of course, like. You know, the reds of a scarlet tanager or summer tanager, um, the yellows of like most warblers we get in birds, um, you know, s- stuff like that, basically. Um, but even like in winter when it's like, even if there's like no snow on the ground, like even the brown, like old decayed leaves on the ground or like an old decaying, uh, you know, dormant, we'll say, of a prairie or meadow, like there's still some beauty in that, I would say, too. Um, so you can't go wrong with it either. But, um, I would say it comes to post-processing, like a lot of the engines are a lot more warmer in color and temperature. Um, this is something more, I would say, drawn to, but it, it's a very slight warmth. It's not like I'm just editing, overpowering each image just for the sake of it. Because um, once again, I feel like each image does lend itself for di- to a different uh, style or whatever, um, with when it comes to color at least. Yeah, it's awesome. That's uh, some great colors to look out for there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's worth noting those like different colors lent uh, become different. You know, I guess invoke different emotions or different moods out of each person, um, the viewers, and uh, like blues are a lot more. You know, tend to be um, regarded as like calmer, kind of like sometimes somber, maybe even relaxed, um, depending on how you use them. Like if you underexpose a blue, it might look more moody. Um, stuff like that. Um, so it's much more mellow, um, kind of like tones you get in your images. Um, of course, yeah. you know, it goes to that same warmer colors by contrast are much more in like intense, uh, lively, um, even like attention grabbing, you know, the obvious things like, you know, that's why a stop sign's red, it gets your attention or red light or whatever, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I would even go, it's much more, I guess, philosophical, but like, it's almost like more passionate, like and they say, like, that's why, like, the heart or love, it's, like, red, it's meant to be impassionate, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, like, in a way, it's, like, red is just such this, like, wow kind of, you know, factor color. Or even just warmer colors in general. Like, they just invoke this very much more lively kind of just, you know, awe, I guess, sense of awe with you know, your images, which is, you know, of course, great. And something to look out for when you're, you know, out in the field, of course, too. Yeah, and this, and that goes back to ancient times. You know, people have always been attracted to certain colors um, and nowadays it's kind of spiraled into a uh, color theory principles so you can you know kind of apply those things to your photos and kind of look at the best ways to attract people and to like convey certain moods um, I know for me uh, you know there's sometimes where I will purposely make an image um, you know just a little bit cooler you know it's, it's still you know keeping it natural but just a little bit more um, if it's kind of a more, a more low key image, but if it's kind of more like a, more of a passionate image with action or something, I'll make it just a bit warmer, uh, just to kind of, you know, just kind of change that mood a bit and work on that, that color theory. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's definitely, especially with digital post-processing, it's like, it's now easier than more than ever to change um, all of these things that we've been mentioning, like temperature, the tint, the, even the white balance if you shoot raw, of course, 
Um, and you can really make the image um, digitally, we'll say, is like, you know, you can make a lot more to the style you maybe you want. So you can definitely, you know, kind of steer the direction of like certain images to be much more cool um, or just anything you want, really, um, because the tools are just, they're out there and they're very powerful and you can do whatever you want with them, which is pretty crazy. Um, and I, I saw this, I'm not sure if you saw it, but uh <laughs> little tangent here. Um, Nick Page posted on Instagram this like video, like a joke video, and he was saying about how like uh, he's like, look at me as a replace the sky. Let me show you this cool technique in Photoshop. And like he literally just took the uh, temperature slider and maxed it out to like uh, bright, like the like the highest warmth, we'll say. And it was like, look at this cool sunset. And I didn't even have to be there. And like. <laughs> It's meant to be like funny, but like, you know, tongue in cheek a little bit, you know, about how people mm -hmm. can be, you know, lazy with their photo editing. But like, it does raise a good point where it's like these tools and these softwares are just like so powerful. You can actually make, you can kind of almost like mimic the style of like, take an image that was very cool and like very not warm at all, really, and then just bump up the temperature and make it look like it was like a sunset was there, um, even if it wasn't. So. You know, it's just it's just fascinating to me that these you know we have these tools at our fingertips now. Yep. We're, we're quite spoiled by them. I will say though that nothing beats the classic. You know, being out there and, and getting the light conditions. You know exactly how you want them. Uh, you may be able to make it look close, but you can never get quite there. Um, and I honestly, you know, I, you know, I'm sure someday there will be a tool that you know you can you know build the light you want and put it into your image. I mean, you know, heck, it's probably already out there. Um, but you know, I think the original way is the best, honestly, in this case. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I just find like it's not really not bragging rights, but it is like I feel like it's more impressive to like if I'm at like an, a gallery or something. Like I'll tell people like this is the color I got in like in camera. This is actually what I saw. I maybe like minimally like up the saturation or whatever in post production, but like this is the color that was actually there. Um, straight from the raw file, and like, yeah, I'm looking back at like my favorite, probably my favorite sunset of all time I witnessed with the camera. Um, a couple years back, uh, it was just like this brightest orange, like almost like a red, just like all over the sky, and it was really intense. Um, and I'm really glad I got it on camera because like I've never seen a sunset quite that like just orange and like just warm and vibrant, um, right over this like lake I was at. So. I feel like it's just, yeah, it's one of those things that you just, you can mimic it, but like it's best to get it in camera or just, you know, how the scene actually was, you know, while you're out in the field there too. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, anything yeah, else about, yeah. So anything else about color? Uh, not really. I mean, the only other thing is just mentioning, it's worth mentioning that uh, like monochrome gets thrown around quite a bit and like I think a lot of people associate it with uh, black and white but like monochrome I, um, I guess by definition is like just like a singular color or like a color scheme so like monochrome images can be like if it's like the image is predominantly like fall foliage is a good example like orange and yellow like that's like that's I would consider like a monochrome image there um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be black and white but uh, that's that's cool yeah. like, like almost like a challenge you can maybe do or technique um, next time you're out in the field or whatever, is to just like try to photograph images that only extract a certain color scheme from them. Like maybe put on like a telephoto lens or a macro lens and try and shoot images that are only predominantly one color 
and uh, see if that really kind of like helps shake up your portfolio or just, you know, gets, gets, gets creative juices flowing or something like that. So um, something to maybe look out for next time you're out with the, uh, with the camera. Yeah, so uh, I definitely challenge you guys to, you know, try different things, color and black and white. Um, an idea uh, that I've been thinking about getting into recently is uh, infrared photography. Um, so you're basically limiting uh, most of the spectrum of light uh, with like a, a little filter, uh, or you could do a filter uh, on your computer as well. Um, and it kind of gives you a really high contrast black and white image. It's it's really interesting and something that I'm definitely thinking about looking into. Um, it actually like inverts the sky and will make it black and then make like the details white. So like the shadows will be white, the highlights will be black. Um, it's kind of a very interesting look. Um, so also another thing with that too, uh, another type of like black and white is sepia. So it's not pure black and white. There's kind of a, a tan tone to it. Um, so if you look at historical images, um, they're not always like pure black and white. There's, they're usually the sepia tone. Um, so if you really want to shoot kind of like a, a vintage vibe to things, uh, consider doing sepia as well. Something I don't really think about too often um, is, yeah, Sapia and everything. Um, actually, recently there was a uh, photography exhibit um, at one of my, like, gallery communities, and, like, all the images were shot with, like, this gold kind of, like, it's almost like foil, like, look to them. Um, I think they were digital, too, I believe. But, like, it had the almost, it wasn't Sepia quite, or Sapia quite much, but it was, like, a goldish color scheme it was really neat though and like all the all the uh, images are printed and framed in like kind of rustic old style golden frames uh, it was really neat it was a really neat color scheme but like it was like a nice unified theme there um but it really brought out these different like it made me look at images in a different way i'll say like it was just a different way of approaching kind of like photography it was just seeing these images because it's like they're all like these old timey looking like compositions and historical buildings and everything so like it just added this weird kind of dimension but like that just shows you the driving point of like how color and everything can like really affect your your compositions it can affect how people view your work or how they even feel about the work really too yeah for sure that's that's a great point there yeah uh, yeah there's tons yeah. of different things to try uh, you know colors are quite literally a spectrum so there's uh, all kinds of ranges you can go with, you know, you could do one color, all the colors, no colors, you know, so just, uh, try all those and, uh, yeah, be colorful. See? <laughs> be colorful, be you. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, so I think that's all we have to add there, right? Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Awesome. Yep, as always, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for watching the Owl Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you.